Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Well Lit Path. In Psalm 28, we'll meet King David in another low that turned into a high. But first, how was your week? You know, there's been something I've kind of been dealing with, kind of something that the Lord has convicted me about, placed on my heart. And as we continue to go through these Psalms, I wanted to mention it, uh, not as a form of like confession, but just to kind of let you all know that uh, I struggle too, and I get a lot out of these studies, more sometimes than y'all might. But uh, these are first and foremost for me, I feel like, and then I get to share them with you. One of the things I really struggle with in my life is uh, covetousness. I, I don't have it all together. The Lord uses these opportunities every week to be in his word and other opportunities that I have to be in his word in my own personal studies and devotions to whittle and chip away at the things in my life that look more like me and less like him. With me, I, I see something, I want it, I can't be patient, and so then I start justifying the need for it. I budget it out, and then I get it. Now, I don't do it at the cost of a need that our family has, but it is, it's very selfish, it's very self-gratifying, and at its core, it's covetous. These aren't things that I need, they're just things that I want. And I look and I say, well, this person I know has things, and that person I know has things, and I justify them in my heart. Sometimes joy is a package at the door when I get home from work. But what about the little things? What about time spent with my wife? What about another Saturday breakfast instead of a Saturday morning of me in my game room, putting some new thing on an old thing, tinkering with the 3D printer on some new thing that I found out? As we go through these Psalms and the Holy Spirit deals with me, conviction can be tough. Uh, we find in the Bible over and over again correcting admonition, but also words of encouragement to seek after God, find more time with Him, and the things that He sets a priority on in our lives. And we find it in this book that we're in. So sometimes it does hit home, and sometimes it hits home and it's hard. And as we're coming into kind of this November and Christmas, this season, I do find that I have way more to be thankful for than to want for. And I just, I guess I just kind of wanted to acknowledge it. And while I do tend to look at what others have and what I want more than I should, I know that I serve a God who's good to me and he's faithful to correct me when I need it most in the most loving way that he always does. Now in our Psalm this week, David looks around and he feels like he's not being heard. He feels like he's been lumped in with the rest that don't follow after God. He feels unheard. He feels alone. And sometimes this may be why we want things for ourselves, because we feel like God isn't delivering on a promise fast enough or giving us the desires of our hearts the way that we want. Let's see how David fares in his desperation. Psalm 28, beginning in verse 1. Unto thee will I cry, O Lord my rock. Be not silent to me, lest if thou be silent to me, I become like them that go down into the pit. Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry unto thee, when I lift up my hands 
toward thy holy oracle. Draw me not away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity, which speak peace to their neighbors, but mischief is in their hearts. Give them according to their deeds and according to the wickedness of their endeavors. Give them after the works of their hands. Render to them their desert. Because they regard not the works of the Lord, nor the operation of his hands, he shall destroy them and not build them up. Blessed be the Lord, because he hath heard the voice of my supplications. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I'm helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song will I praise him. The Lord is their strength, and he is the saving strength of his anointed. Save thy people, and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also, and lift them up forever. You know, the first thing that David does in his frustration is the exact right thing. He cries to God. And man, I'll tell you what, we could camp here the entire episode. Is that our first move? When we feel that God is somehow being unjust, that he isn't hearing us, is it our first move to cry out to him? So often I know our first move is to cry out to a friend, to cry out to a coworker, to cry out to a church member or a trusted brother or sister in Christ. Well, I feel like the Lord has just given me the silent treatment. I've been praying about this and nothing, just nothing. I don't know what I'm going to do if he doesn't answer me or change the situation I'm in soon. Or sometimes we have the even more detrimental conversation. I really felt like the Lord was supposed to give us the desires of our hearts. I know he's supposed to answer prayer. Why isn't he answering mine? Let's pause for a moment and speak on the hurt that comes with these approaches. Now, the most obvious one is the hurt we do to ourselves. When we set our thoughts above God's thoughts, and when we feel like we would be a different kind of God, or that God isn't fitting into our rendition of him, we've made ourselves an idol. We don't get the right to evaluate his plans for us or his timing for our lives. It can hurt our disposition and certainly be damaging to our morale and our picture of the God we serve. Because our picture of him should only have characteristics and attributes that he ascribes to himself in his word, not what we think we heard or we saw there. The second type of hurt that we do is to those around us. What if our coworker or our family member doesn't know Christ, and here we are complaining to them about how he doesn't answer prayer? Or at least not our specific prayer. And what an opportunity it could be to use it as a springboard to share the gospel. Instead of, well, God isn't answering me, or I'm struggling right now. What a beautiful picture of the Christian life to say instead you know what I'm thankful for? You know what I'm happy about in this situation that I have in front of me right now? That God has an answer, and when he's ready to reveal it to me, I'll be ready for it. 
And what a doorway that could open up in our lives to a much larger conversation. The final hurt that I can think of in these kind of situations can be just as detrimental. Because if we share our discouragement, and I mean in an accusatory way, with a brother or sister in Christ and reject any encouraging word they may have for us, well, then we're dragging them down into our pity party with us. But don't misunderstand, I'm an advocate of sharing our struggles to be encouraged and uplifted by a brother or sister in Christ. But to try and turn that into a situation where we're trying to drag that person down with us. And when we do that, we become a stumbling block. And that's something we're warned against over and over in the Bible. Now, I I spend some time here to press a point home. When you're discouraged, cry to God. I'm confident that you'll find you won't have to take it to a friend. God may bring just the right person into a conversation with you when you need it most, and that may be the answer to your prayer. The other way is to do what David does here, as we'll see shortly. So he cries to the Lord, his rock. And one great way to cry to the Lord when you're discouraged is to proclaim one of his attributes that you're in desperate need of at the time. Lord, I'm in a low place. I've lost someone, so I'm coming to you, my comforter. God, our provider, I have a need that I don't have the means to fulfill myself. Lord, my righteousness, I failed again, Lord. There's this sin that I need to bring to you. God of my strength, I can't get through this without you. I need you to hold me up in this moment. David needed a firm foundation to stand on. He needed strength not to be moved by how he was feeling. So he cried to the Lord, his rock. But he felt like he wasn't getting an answer. Lord, don't be silent with me. If you're silent with me, I'll feel no better than those that don't have you, those that are doomed to an eternity without you in the pit. You know, it's hard when we feel like we've hit a wall with God. When we most need his voice, when we most need his word, yet we read his word and it doesn't ring for us. When we go to church, but the message just doesn't seem to be relevant to where we're at in our life, in this season in our life. And we say, Lord, I just want to hear from you. You've saved me. You've redeemed me. I, I expect that you would speak to me. This is the beauty of the Christian life, that we go through life with a God as our companion ever present with us. And it causes us to panic sometimes when we feel that he's far away from us because we know that he's silent to the unsaved, but he's not silent to those that know him. And unfortunately, the answer to this problem for some is to then be silent to God. We say, well, if he's not listening, then I'm not going to call out anymore. And if we look, this wasn't David's solution. His solution was to beg for an audience again. He says, Lord, hear my voice when I cry to you. Hear this, my earnest prayer. 
Do our desperate prayers ever get more desperate? Do we ever move from needing God to solve the situation for us to just needing God? Because here David started wanting to be heard on the issue that he was having, but it quickly turns to the fact that he doesn't just need God now. He needs him always. More than his prayer for deliverance, his prayer for proximity became the focus. The wicked who don't know you, Lord, who have no relationship with you, who don't worship you, David says, I don't want to be like them. David mentions that they can't even approach the temple. Well, not him. He goes as far into the temple as he can by law. And from there, he reaches out his hands to the holy oracle or the holy of holies just to try and get a little closer. His desire is to be with God as close as he can get. To approach so close by law, sacrifices would have had to have been made in the Old Testament. And in a spiritual sense here, as David desires to draw this close to God in his heart, he realizes that sacrifices must be made. So he asked the Lord not to lump him in and push him away, to not accept him, the same way God would reject the wicked. And David includes the workers of iniquity, those that may not seem wicked, but are. Oh, they do the right things. They're nice to their neighbors. They go to church every Sunday, but they're deceitful in their hearts. It's all lip service to them and no true faith, no genuine desire to know God. David asks not to be part of that, which would mean that he'd have to sacrifice all of those desires to be recognized as good, to put on a good show, and he'd have to be really good. The only kind of good that God would accept, the good that requires a sacrifice of self and a reliance on the only good that is sufficient, God's own goodness. What are we doing in our lives to draw away from distractions and closer to God? David knew it required sacrifice to get that proximity. He knew it would require purging unprofitable things from his life. He knew that was why God didn't hear the wicked. And his answer was to examine himself instead of crying to God to hear them, hear him, What was holding him back from really listening for the answer? And too often we get caught up in the rumble and the deafening roar of our lives in this chaotic world around us. And it is easy for the answer we seek to get lost in the hustle and bustle of our day. Is the answer we seek dancing on the silence of the wind just beyond our hearing because we're so focused on what's making the noise in our lives? Is God's voice in our lives being drowned out by the desires of our hearts that are drawn toward the things that have earthly worth, but little worth in our spiritual lives? And what about the harder calls? I think it's easy to reprimand ourselves and say maybe we don't hear him because we don't read our Bible or pray enough, but what about the really sacrificial stuff? Do our kids have more sports or extracurriculars in their lives than they do God? 
And if they do, is that not just a reflection of where our priorities lie? What about what we put into our lives, into our minds, into our hearts? Have we read any good books this year? Not, not that books are evil or unprofitable, but how many of the books that we've read this year spoke directly to our spiritual lives? How much TV have we watched this year compared to how much prayer time we've had? Well, we couldn't possibly pray that much. What would happen if we did? What would our lives look like if instead of every time we reached for our phones, we reached for our Bible? What would our prayer lives look like if instead of watching a movie or TV show together, we prayed with our spouse or our family for two hours? I mean, it sounds kind of ridiculous, but is it? We're going through here journals in our men's Bible study, and we've committed to doing seven entries a week. That's seven studies of a verse in a chapter in a week. Seven different verses. If you don't know what a here journal is, man, reach out to me. It has changed the way that I study scripture, that I see scripture. It's the largest influence in how I approach these studies in the Psalms and in the messages that I preach since I've learned how to use them. Uh, it will 100% change your life. But then as I sit here talking about the things that we can do in our lives, the things that make us feel like God doesn't hear us, like we're being lumped in with the rest, I can't help but think of how I've had seven days to do seven different studies of a chapter, and here I've done one and a half. Have I had the time? I've made time for other things, for packages at the door. Are some of my struggles in my daily life, are they made more difficult by not overcoming the first struggle in my daily life to make God a priority? David recognizes that this is the type of lifestyle people live when they don't know the Lord. He recognizes that the Lord will give them exactly what they deserve when they pursue their own lusts, their own pleasure, their own gain. He knows that the Lord will re reward them according to their works, which are all without meaning, all without merit. The only good work is the work he's done in us. While the Lord may be silent, or maybe we just can't hear him sometimes, we have a sure hope in him that we won't meet that kind of end. Our end will be the exact opposite of what God will mete out to those that don't know him. And David doesn't call attention to their end for their benefit because then and now, those type of people wouldn't care what David's opinion was. But he calls out their end for the benefit of the ones engaged in singing this psalm, the one himself engaged in writing it. He calls it out for his own benefit. That end is not his end. His deeds in the Lord will be rewarded with crowns. His work for the kingdom will be rewarded as those of a faithful servant. 
While the unsaved, the unbelievers' deeds hold no value and will be cast off as the self-serving trash that it is, his kingdom work will glorify the Father. He knows that as he draws closer to God, his heart aligns with God's work. And in doing God's work, his toil is not for naught. He's laying up treasure in heaven. Unlike the work of the wicked, the kingdom work he does will not be destroyed. And suddenly, in his praise and his knowledge that he will not be destroyed, that kingdom work is fruitful work, that silence is not the same as abandonment. David realizes God has answered. He's answered me with his presence. He's answered me with his love. He's answered me because I'm his child. I'll never share the fate of the wicked because my belief in him has made me righteous. And David moves from requesting blessing to blessing the Lord. David says that a lack of response doesn't mean that he wasn't heard. It just means that he needs to exercise some patience. It means that he needs to draw a little closer. Maybe it means that he needs to pull away from other things and approach the throne with a more quiet heart. Set aside the distractions, set aside the preconceived ideas. He can wait to hear the voice of God because he is sure that God has heard his voice. And man, how our patient would increase if we could come to that realization in our prayer lives. So often we let our frustration rise because we feel not heard when we get no answer. And God hears our every prayer, our every thought. He knows the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. Do we believe he doesn't know our prayer even before we voice it? There's not a breath that escapes our lips in supplication to him that he does not capture and cherish. You know, I wish I could grasp, well, I wish we could all grasp how precious prayer is. That a God that set every star in the sky by hand wants to hear from us, wants to spend time with us. And while David takes a moment to get there, it seems, some of us take a lifetime. And the same that David had to remind himself, it feels like in every psalm we've been through lately, I feel like I don't remind myself enough. We were lost. We had no hope. Yet God, who created man to worship him in spirit and in truth, despite the fact that we sinned and we fell from the esteemed position that he put us in, a unique position to have a personal relationship with our creator, he made a way to restore that relationship. So great was his desire and love toward us to have a relationship that he lowered himself to walk among us and die for us. To know that he deserves all glory and honor and dominion over all things because he is God. And this same God patiently waits in his grace and stoops down, allowing me to boldly come before him in prayer. And the best thing that I can use it for is, help me with this, please. 
I need you for this, please. Forgive me for this, please. And I think just now of how my life would change if I spent more time just communing with him the way that David seemed to so often. To come to him just to be with him, to be in his presence in a way that I don't need anything from him, but just to feel his presence. Now, I believe that this attitude of prayer, even when he didn't feel like it, even when he didn't feel worthy, even when he was ashamed, when he knew that he was wrong, when he had doubt, this attitude of prayer and the fact that he came over and over again is what made David to be called by our Heavenly Father the apple of his eye. In everything, David drew close to him. In joy, he drew close. In trial, in folly, in desperation, in confusion, David's answer was to always draw close. David knew alone he was weak, but the Lord was his strength. He knew he could doubt in his flesh, but he drew close, and the Lord was his strength. Lord, be my strength and help me to pray better. Be my strength and help me to know you better. But wait, you already are my strength. I don't need to ask, I just need to do. See, my heart just needs to trust him, to have faith that he is who he says he is and just get in front of him and get in his presence and be there. David recognized as soon as he got in God's presence, his, his troubles were helped. He didn't have to ask to be relieved of them. The comfort was there. The trouble seemed so much less important when he just got in God's presence, when he simply trusted that the answer he needed was to be in God's presence, to talk with him, to walk with him. There will my heart greatly rejoice. I come into his presence sometimes with fear and it doesn't feel joyful. But what else is there to be found in his presence but joy? I've done wrong, but I'm forgiven, so there's joy. I'm troubled, but he's my comfort, so there's joy. I'm down, he lifts me up, so there's joy. I need an answer. He is the answer, so there's joy. And my heart can rejoice in his presence, so why do I hesitate to go there? Why do I wait at the doorway to the throne room trying to get my words straight, trying to get my request, my need, just so perfect? Step into the throne room. There's joy. He doesn't need pretty words. He knows already what you need. You know already what you need. You need him. And in his presence, just 
have a conversation with your father and rejoice. You've been adopted into his family. Like David, the Lord has become your strength. You don't have to worry about letting him down. You're not the one holding him up. He's your strength. And because he's your saving strength, you don't have to rely on your works to solidify your salvation. If my salvation was dependent on me, it would have been lost years ago. But he is the strength of my salvation. I can't be plucked from his hand. He's anointed us kings and priests. He's named us his people. We've been grafted in, spiritually made a part of his chosen family. So sing. David so often winds up singing because singing pleases God. And I'm a big advocate of singing to God if I haven't made that apparent by now in our time together. Don't keep the song in your heart to yourself. Just like he wants to hear us talking to him, God loves to hear us sing to him. If he didn't, I don't feel like he would have put a 150-song praise hymnal in his word. And David ends with affirmation. Lord, I don't need to hear from you to know that you'll save your people. Lord, I don't need a word from you to know that you'll preserve your people. You've blessed us beyond measure. You fed us when we were hungry, both physically and spiritually. You've raised us up to an elevated position as your beloved. What other word do we need to hear? If all we had was to know that you love us and that you desire a relationship with us, Lord, that would be enough. But you're a God of abundance. You've recorded for us blessings and promises. And so richly have you blessed those that love you and serve you that even in what we may perceive as your silence, there is a word to be heard every time we open the Bible, every time we come to you in prayer. Lord, grant me the strength to and the discipline to spend more time with you and just talk. And I would challenge you, take some time this week and just have a conversation with your Heavenly Father because he's always there. Hey, thanks for walking with me a while as we read the word together. Won't you join me again next week and we'll walk just a little further? If you like the podcast, go ahead and hit that follow button. If you have any questions about salvation or general podcast questions, uh, reach out to us via email at podcast at lakeworthbaptist.org. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram and Facebook by looking for LWBC underscore publications.